truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, March 7th, 2022, the 411th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. So I think, I think that my podcast is back up in most places. And if you're hearing this in the place you usually listen, then I bet you agree. I apologize if you experienced some downtime with the podcast last week. As I mentioned, I got taken offline by Anchor, the platform that was doing my podcast distribution. They are owned by Spotify. It's like one of the little Spotify offshoots. And they decided that I did something and that my show must be taken down. I got a very brief email saying that I violated the terms of service somehow. Was I ever warned? No. My account ever flagged? No. What did I say or do? I have no idea. I do know that at one point I did point out to them a couple of weeks ago that I had realized that the number of plays that they were filling into my account, the way that they were tracking my download statistics for my episodes, well, there wasn't anything that made sense about them. There was just an algorithm feeding in numbers and saying, hey, you probably got about this much. And it's a bit of a long story to how I figured that out, but I kind of brought that to their attention. And maybe they realized I was right and wanted to get me offline for that. Hard to say. But here I am. I am not changing a single thing. I will continue to say the no-no words. If you can't find this on Apple or Spotify at any point, It seems like the advancements in podcast distribution technology have gotten to the point where those apps are relatively insignificant. There was a great interview that Adam Curry did. Adam Curry's one of the hosts of the No Agenda podcast, and he's often credited along with people like Joe Rogan, Ricky Gervais, and some others as being like real pioneers into the podcasting field back when it was first starting up and Adam Curry's involved in a project that he calls podcasting 2.0, which is basically like the decentralization of the podcast and the ability to enable income streams based on crypto and how much of a, an episode you listen to super interesting stuff, but they have a whole bunch of podcast apps that he says 
can be part of the podcast 2.0 experience. I'm still learning about this stuff and I do not claim to fully understand any of it, but I was looking through the list of apps and there's an app called podcast guru that seems to have a really nice interface. And that is among the options there. It works on all the different platforms. So I'm going to try that one. And if you need a recommendation from me, go ahead and give that one a shot. Hopefully from this point on, things will go a little smoother. But then again, we are seemingly in the middle of another pretty intense media crackdown on people who are trying to spread true facts and opinions rather than repeating the slogans. And that is not allowed at all. And one of the major reasons it's not allowed at all is because so much of our society, our culture goes along with the notion that the no-no words should be censored. It's not worth trying to prove them wrong because, of course, you can't. They're all correct. They consider it dangerous for the no-no words to spread because if everybody believes the opposite of what the media is trying to tell everybody to believe, then their whole project fails. And of course, that's where we are. That's what the end game is all about. On Saturday, Emerald Robinson posted a substack that kind of really blew up this article that actually appeared in the blaze on Thursday. And I had missed it up until that point. I think a lot of other people did as well. I'm going to go back to the original article and share this with you. But Emerald Robinson did a great job with her substack and with being able to promote that article. Here's the article. Exclusive, the federal government paid hundreds of media companies to advertise the COVID-19 vaccines while those same outlets provided positive coverage of the vaccines. And this is Chris Pandolfo writing for The Blaze, and he is also the one who filed the FOIA request. In response to a FOIA request filed by The Blaze, HHS revealed that it had purchased advertising from major news networks, including ABC, CBS, and NBC, as well as cable TV news stations, Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC, legacy media publications, including the New York Post, the Los Angeles Times, and the Washington Post, digital media companies like BuzzFeed and Newsmax, and hundreds of local newspapers and TV stations. These outlets were collectively responsible for publishing countless articles and video segments regarding the vaccine that were nearly uniformly positive about the vaccine in terms of both its efficacy and safety. Now, it's important to remember that if HHS is paying for something, then they are paying for something with taxpayer money. One would assume, although these days it's hard to know. So they're taking taxpayer money and then funneling it to media companies so media companies can then tell the taxpayers what they need to believe and what they need to do and say. And then if the taxpayers themselves are unhappy about what their money is being spent on or what message their tax money is purchasing... Well, then they immediately become conspiracy theorists and domestic terrorists. Hundreds of news organizations were paid by the federal government to advertise for the vaccines as part of a, quote, comprehensive media campaign, according to documents the Blaze obtained from the Department of Health and Human Services. 
The Biden administration purchased ads on TV, radio, in print, and on social media to build vaccine confidence, timing this effort with the increasing availability of the vaccines. The government also relied on earned media featuring influencers from communities hit hard by COVID and experts like White House Chief Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci and other academics to be interviewed and promote vaccination in the news. Got that? Again, I've talked about this many, many times. The government is using your money and giving it to societal elites to tell you what to do. All right. You are purchasing the propaganda you are being fed and you have got to love their little phrase like influencers from communities hit hard by COVID-19. Now, A community hit hard by COVID-19 could mean anything they want it to mean. You assume that they must be meaning the communities that are the most vulnerable, the ones always hit by everything. It's strange how they always have them to turn to, right? Who always gets hit worst by every problem that occurs? Oh, it's black people. Oh, it's gay people. Oh, it's Muslims. Oh, it's the transgender community, blah, 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 blah. Always the same victims every single time. And you can't contest the victims because that makes you racist and homophobic and Islamophobic and transphobic. So as soon as they identify a victim class, if you don't agree, well, then you're the oppressor class. And now you have to be punished. But it's kind of interesting to think that they could easily, just as easily, describe Hollywood actors and influencers the same way. And it turns out those were the people who did a lot of the influencing for them. Are they from one of the hardest hit communities? Well, in the sense that you could argue their industry was taken down for a significant period of time, then maybe, right? It seems like the hardest hit communities qualifier in there only exists to make it seem like they're not just paying Kim Kardashian and Ed Sheeran and late night talk show hosts and that little pop star that Jen Psaki fangirled in the White House briefing room. Though virtually all of these newsrooms produce stories covering the COVID-19 vaccines, the taxpayer dollars flowing to their companies were not disclosed to audiences in news reports. Since common practice dictates that editorial teams operate independently of media advertising departments and news teams felt no need to make the disclosure as some publications reached for comment explained. And this is the sort of excuse making that we are seeing a lot from the global communists these days. They're saying, and Jen Psaki does this all the time. They're saying that there is a a rule and a standard of practice that prohibits them from doing the thing you're accusing them of. Therefore, it didn't happen. So they're saying, well, it's practice that the media advertising teams don't cross over with the news division at all, because then there would be an obvious conflict of interest in the eyes of the public. They would say, Okay, this company is paying you a lot of money to advertise its products and you're reporting on the things this company does. 
how can we trust you to report accurately when this company is giving you all this money? And so these newsrooms filled with integrity as they are, just think of CNN. CNN has so much integrity that it would never allow multiple producers of their key hosts on the network to be involved with pedophilia and still keep working at CNN until the public found out they would never do something like that. And they would never keep a, a nightly host like Don Lemon on while he is plausibly accused of sexual assault and then being headed to trial for it. CNN has too much integrity to ever allow something like that to happen. And we are told because these news organizations have so much integrity that we can simply trust them that their standards and practices are more than adequate to curb bad behavior. Now, I don't know if they have standards and practices on what to do if you find out that two of your producers for two of your major hosts have pedophilia problems. Maybe that's not in the book. And maybe they were just going strictly by the book because they have so much integrity. And that's why they couldn't get rid of those employees until after the public found out about all of it. So we're just supposed to believe them. That's their excuse. We have policies against this thing occurring. Therefore, it did not occur. And thank goodness we've got that settled. The Biden administration engaged in a massive campaign to educate the public and promote vaccination as the best way to prevent serious illness or death from COVID-19. Well, they had a few campaigns before that, but those didn't go so well. So then they turned to the vaccine as the best way of preventing serious illness and death. And they said the statistics actually back that up. Turns out they don't at all. But who could see that coming except for Literally everyone who wasn't being paid to say the opposite. Congress appropriated $1 billion in fiscal year 2021 for the Secretary of Health to spend on activities to, quote, strengthen vaccine confidence in the United States, end quote. Now, why is that a goal in the first place? Why is it our government's goal to strengthen vaccine confidence? If our government was operating properly and the vaccine was operating properly and people were scared of dying from COVID and the vaccine could actually prevent people from getting or spreading COVID, well, then people would just be taking it and they would be confident in the vaccine because the vaccine does what it's supposed to do, and no one is being coerced to take it. The government could be involved in a vaccine program, you know, in principle, that isn't completely evil. Harder to say that now, but let's say two years ago. You could believe that the government could be involved in that sort of program if we had a an extremely deadly disease, that was also extremely transmissible and that the vaccine actually cured people and didn't just change their DNA as we're finding out. Of course, it does. Now, that's just going to become part of the factual knowledge before it was a conspiracy theory. Now it's true. The science changed. Therefore, the science changed. In fact, the science changed as a result of the conspiracy theory becoming true. And just to be clear, I mean, I don't want to take any personal credit, and I know you guys don't either. 
yes, all of the information that is now publicly accepted was totally available when we started saying that. And that's why we started saying it. But what you have to understand is that we are conspiracy theorists. So as the uh, self-described genius, the cartoonist Scott Adams would say, we were right for the wrong reasons. He was wrong, but for the right reasons. He was following all the right experts. He actually witnessed the science evolving. He had better information than we did, even though our information led us to the right conclusion a year and a half before his information did. But you got to remember, he is going to tell you, and he is 100% sure, that out of him and us, he's the genius. Federal law authorizes HHS to act through the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and other agencies to award contracts to public and private entities to carry out a national evidence-based campaign to increase awareness and knowledge of the safety and effectiveness of vaccines for the prevention and control of diseases, combat misinformation about vaccines, and disseminate scientific and evidence-based vaccine-related information with the goal of increasing rates of vaccination across all ages to reduce and eliminate vaccine-preventable diseases. Okay, now this sentence is a disaster, and hopefully it's a legal disaster down the road as well, and it should be, right? So the money is for increasing awareness and knowledge of the safety and effectiveness of vaccines, blah, blah, blah. Increasing awareness and knowledge of safety and effectiveness would actually make people less confident to get the vaccine. And we are beginning to see all of the docs that Pfizer was refusing to release, the ones they used to request the emergency use authorization and the licensure approval from the FDA. All the information in those docs actually says that the vaccine was never safe and never effective. So there was never a time where increased knowledge about the safety or effectiveness of the experimental gene therapy. There was never a time where that would have increased confidence. Increased knowledge would have only diminished confidence because the facts show that no one should be getting the vaccine and no one ever should have. But they clarify in that section that the goal is increasing rates of vaccination across all ages to reduce and eliminate vaccine preventable diseases. Now, COVID is not at this point a vaccine preventable disease. It probably never will be. This vaccine certainly does not prevent, reduce or eliminate COVID. And once again, all the people involved in making these decisions, the people who have the clout to affect these decisions, all of them knew that from the beginning. So what they're really trying to do is increase public confidence in something they know not to be true so that they can increase the rates of vaccination across all ages. And they admit it. But that inconsistency in this section is really interesting because as soon as you prove that they knew the vaccine was not safe and not effective and did not work, which they knew from the beginning, 
It seems like they have a real problem in their application of that policy. Back to the article. Anyone who has spent time reading the news, watching TV news coverage, or browsing social media in the past year has more than likely been exposed to the government's advertising. HHS ads posted to YouTube have been viewed millions of times and commercials featuring celebrities like singer Elton John and actor Sir Michael Caine have been the subject of news coverage such as this feature from NBC News and they link it there. It's amazing that they hired two English knights (laughs) to convince us to get vaccines. Sir Elton John and Sir Michael Caine. What are the Knights of England of the crown at this point? What are they actually signed up for? Do they just have to do whatever the crown tells them? It's kind of amazing how much effect the British crown has on the world, right? I mean, just for a figurehead monarchy, you know, I mean, they don't, they don't run, uh, yeah, they don't, they don't run things. They're just, uh, figureheads. Yeah. We just call them the, uh, the queen and the prince. The monarchy changed into not a monarchy when they realized, hey, people aren't such big fans of monarchies anymore. Look at that, a switcheroo. Did it really happen? Well, no. What's the proof that it really happened? No one knows. They just started marketing it a different way. Remember, public image is all that matters. Fear-based vaccine ads from HHS featuring survivor stories from coronavirus patients who were hospitalized in intensive care units were covered by CNN and discussed on ABC's The View when they were unveiled last October. Oh, wow. The vaccine saved someone who was hospitalized in an intensive care unit? How did it do that? Oh, I would have had it so much worse if not for the vaccine. Well, If that's true, then why are 90% of the people dying from COVID in England vaccinated? It's very safe and effective. It's very safe and effective. It's very safe and effective. Though the federal government was paying each of these companies and others for pro-vaccine advertising while news reports covered the same vaccines, many editorial boards say they have firewall policies that prevent advertisers from influencing news coverage. There you go. They have a policy that prevents it. Therefore, it didn't happen. Advertisers pay for space to share their messages, as was the case here. And those ads are clearly labeled as such, explained Shawnee George, vice president of communications for The Washington Post, in a statement. The newsroom is completely independent from the advertising department. And trust her, she works for the legacy outlet Washington Post. Everyone can trust them. I mean, sure, yes. They spread the Russian collusion conspiracy theory concocted by Hillary Clinton's campaign. And yes, they said Donald Trump was a Russian asset and their editorial writers talked about how Donald Trump had stolen the election and was an illegitimate president. And yes, They lied about the Mueller investigation and the Ukraine situation and impeachment hoax number one and January 6th and impeachment hoax number two and obviously the stolen 2020 election. They lie about everything, but don't worry. You can trust them. 
because they have a policy that prevents stuff like that. A spokeswoman for the Los Angeles Times gave a similar statement, emphasizing that, quote, the newsroom operates independently from advertising. And apparently she operates independently from her name. The Blaze reached out to several other publications that either declined to comment or did not respond before publication. The COVID-19 public education campaign by HHS also used earned media outreach, word of mouth marketing, with the goal of having, quote, trusted messengers and influencers speak to news organizations to, quote, provide factual, timely information and steps people can take to protect themselves, their families and their communities. Isn't that so great? All of the global communists realized that basically no one considers their news outlets trusted messengers. So instead, they hired actual actors and musicians and comedians and reality show stars and TV doctors to hand down all the new slogans to you. And they actually really are committed to this idea. They really believe the idea, right? They will much rather give LeBron James money to say something on the belief that black people will listen to him than to actually give people all of the real information and allow them to make their own decisions. What does that say about how the global communists think of race? And of course, they have the same thing with the other communities as well. They respect all of these communities that they are trying to save. I mean, they tell us all the time that they're trying to save these communities. They respect these communities so much that they will actually go out and pay someone who they think that community will listen to a whole lot of money to say whatever they tell them to say. That is so respectful to all of those oppressed communities that Democrat communists are surely in politics to save. They respect them so much that they need to talk to them through basketball players. And everybody just smiles and claps along and thinks, oh, yeah, the blacks will listen to a LeBron James. But don't worry, it's not racist when they do it. They're only practicing anti-racism, just like racism, but you're good after doing it. That's what they are, okay? When the Democrat Communist Party and their supporters are exceedingly racist in ways so pernicious that you can actually begin to see the full picture of how the Democrat Communist Party's policies and their messaging is the only thing left that is, in fact, systemic racism. But don't worry. They're doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. As a result of that effort, various government officials have frequently been quoted by reporters covering the COVID-19 pandemic, offering factual information on vaccine efficacy and safety. An October article from BuzzFeed News featuring the essential facts about who is eligible for a COVID-19 booster shot 
for example, reported pro-vaccine statements from CDC Director Rochelle Walensky, FDA official Peter Marks, HHS Secretary Javier Becerra, and University of California San Francisco epidemiologist George Rutherford. The article stressed how studies show boosters work and cited FDA data that suggests getting a booster shot, quote, can reestablish strong protection against the virus. Isn't that reassuring? It can. <laughs> it can. Maybe. Guys, just take it. BuzzFeed News advised everyone age 65 or older, people with health conditions that put them at high risk of severe illness from COVID-19, those like healthcare workers who are at risk from coming into contact with COVID-19 positive people for work, and anyone in areas with high virus transmission to get vaccine boosters in accordance with guidance from the CDC. Now, just to pause for a second, isn't it amazing that they all, all the news articles you read will always include the same quotes from the same people. They'll get the quote from from Walensky, the quote from Peter Marks, from Becerra, from some epidemiologist. They'll grab one from Fauci or Francis Collins or Leanna Wen or whoever they decide to call an expert that day. And then all of the media will report those comments to everybody. Those are the new slogans for the day from the vaccine salesman. And they're going to be given to you as if they are objective reporting. And you can trust them because they have policies. Other publications, such as the Los Angeles Times, featured advice from experts on how readers could convince vaccine hesitant people in their lives to change their minds. The Washington Post covered the pro vaccine messages people want to hear. Newsmax has reported how the vaccines have, quote, been demonstrated to be safe and effective, end quote, and, quote, Encourage citizens, especially those at risk, to get immunized. Thanks, Newsmax. What happened to your election fraud coverage? Where was that this whole time? Newsmax, the conservative outlet. HHS did not immediately respond when asked if the agency used taxpayer dollars to pay for people to be interviewed or for a PR firm to place them in interviews with news outlets. Man, you'd just think that they would quickly say, no, that never happened. If it never happened, I mean, why would you want people to think all these wrong things? But no, no answers. No answers necessary. Not for you guys. Since the COVID-19 vaccines manufactured by Pfizer-BioNTech, Moderna and Johnson & Johnson were given emergency approval for use in the United States last year. More than 215 million Americans have been fully vaccinated against COVID-19. Now, there is no way in hell that number is correct. And what in the world is it just still increasing for? They just give us a new number every few weeks. And I suppose that this Blaze reporter is, you know, reporting the facts that the government is putting out, which are not facts. We can all see that by now, right? There's not even any reason to repeat these numbers unless you're saying the CDC says this, but it's probably wrong. An estimated 94.6 million people have also received at least one booster dose. That's going to be a whole lot of death. 
about 65% of the U.S. population has now been fully vaccinated against COVID-19, including 75% of U.S. adults and 88.8% of seniors. HHS has not revealed how much advertising money was spent on each media platform. So everybody's busy with Russia and Ukraine, and we are too. It's a very interesting and important topic, especially because so many people in our families and friends and neighbors are broadcasting their support for a corrupt global communist regime that has actual Nazis on the battlefield. Everybody's supporting them. All the corporations, tons of people you know, all the famous people on the internet, all the same people who got money to promote the COVID vaccines. Well, now they are all actually supporting a regime with Nazi soldiers. That's not hyperbole or exaggeration or embellishment. The Azov Battalion is Nazi. There are other regiments that are Nazi. They're in Ukraine's army, and everyone is rooting for Ukraine's army. So what are they doing now? Well, they're denying that they're actually Nazi. Or they're saying, oh, well, there may be a Nazi element, but the whole thing's not Nazi. Don't be ridiculous, you conspiracy theorist. Uh, hey, Kami, you know that doesn't actually matter, right? Like, let's say you're right about all those things. And sorry, but you haven't been right about anything in years. So I'm not going to give you that one. But let's say you are right. Let's say you are right that they're not that Nazi. You believe that you're only supporting the non-Nazi factions in Ukraine? Well, okay, but they are supporting the Nazi factions in Ukraine. So... How are you going to get out of that one? Like, really think about this and look where we are in society right now. The people who are telling us what we can think, what we can say, what we can do, what we must do to show them respect. Those people, those people who put your kids in masks, who tried to force your kids and you into a dangerous and deadly medical experiment. Those people who decided who should be allowed to have a job and who shouldn't be those people, those people who decided who should vote and who cannot vote and when it's okay to call a president illegitimate, even if he's duly elected and to call him duly elected, even when he's obviously legitimate, those people, those people are now supporting Nazis. Those people who believe they are smarter than you more moral than you, more righteous than you, more educated than you, more sophisticated, more popular, more important, more necessary for the survival of the species. Those people right now are supporting real life Nazis. All right. It's come full circle now. And none of them should be allowed to get away with it in any conversation they have. If they stand with Ukraine on Instagram, the comment is, hey, you're standing with Nazis, period. Actually, question mark. But you know what I mean? Every time, do it every time. Are you going to get kicked off Instagram? Hey, maybe. But is it worth it or no? 
still so committed to the matrix. Oh, I got to be inside the matrix. Got to be inside the matrix. I'm doing my fighting inside the matrix. Sure you are. You're being cowed by a platform that is allowing those people by policy. We talked about that last week by policy. They are allowing people to support the Azov battalion as long as it's in support of Ukraine. And that's what they're doing. And it just passes right before your eyes and you think, oh, yeah, you know, Sarah's just some crazy liberal. We just got to let her do it. Do you? Do you have to be party to that? Because you got to stay on Instagram. Okay, I get it. I know it's very important for business. I understand. But as our media and as our peers are in full support of actual Nazis in the real world, let's see what else the media is doing because we're on the subject of these released documents. Here's an article from the Federalist this morning. New documents show NBC promised to go easy on Biden officials, domestic terrorism. Now, I talked about this story a bit last year because this has been a thing for kind of a while. They're talking about Tracy Stone Manning, who was Biden's pick to lead the Bureau of Land Management. In 1989, in Idaho, she was involved in a tree spiking case. This is like environmental terrorism. This is Tristan Justice writing for The Federalist, and I'm going to jump a few paragraphs in. Stone Manning had been granted immunity in the case when she agreed to testify against her co-conspirators that she had retyped and sent an anonymous letter to the Forest Service for her friend and former roommate, John T. Blunt. The letter warned of 500 pounds of, quote, spikes measuring eight to 10 inches in length, end quote, driven into trees of the Clearwater National Forest targeted for harvest. Such spikes can kill and maim foresters, firefighters and animals. And NBC's Josh Letterman wrote to the Department of the Interior for comment. We will not go overboard on it or anything. Letterman promised Interior Spokeswoman Melissa Schwartz on July 8th. It's a legitimate story given the position to which she has been nominated. But we will point out that A, she did not participate in spiking trees herself. B, she was not charged. C, this was decades ago when she was in her early 20s. So it doesn't matter anymore. And D, her record is otherwise unblemished. <laughs> Stone Manning's early environmental activism jeopardized her nomination to manage more than 245 million acres under the, it says BLM oversight, but it means Bureau of Land Management. Tree spiking is a form of domestic terrorism wherein environmental activists jam 8 to 10 inch metal rods into trees. It was a popular tactic among left wing activists 30 years ago. Isn't it amazing how many domestic terrorists are working always and only for the Democrat communist movement. It's crazy how the people protecting our democracy are always operating outside the law, doing things that destroy actual governments. The Democrats love forgiving domestic terrorists because the domestic terrorists are working for causes they approve of, and they may even approve of the tactics. They rarely rarely condemn the tactics, and then they hire these people later. They think, oh, you know, well, yeah, it's domestic terrorism, but her heart was in the right place. Her heart was in the right place. She was just trying to get, 
communism enacted across the world, same as we are. So her heart was in the right place. You know, she served her time. She felt really bad about what she did. And you know, she's just the best person we can get to head the Bureau of Land Management. I mean, they have a domestic terrorist, a convicted domestic terrorist on the board of Thousand Currents, the fiscal sponsor for Black Lives Matter. That was Susan Rosenberg. Bill Clinton pardoned her on his last day in office. Domestic terrorists apparently rule in the Democrat Party. And, you know, this was a big thing at the time. And I didn't fully understand it at the time, obviously. But Barack Obama really was palling around with domestic terrorists. Okay, the Weather Underground really were domestic terrorists. The left just accepts this stuff and they have a history of accepting it, of course, because they are the party of the Klan. Now, if you're thinking there's no way that person actually got confirmed, well, you'd be wrong. She was confirmed. Stone Manning's nomination was also made controversial by the resurfacing of her 1993 graduate thesis, which condemned children as an environmental hazard and called for Chinese-style child caps, like caps on the number of children you can have. NBC's pledge to airbrush a Democrat official is not the first time a legacy outlet has been found making such promises. Last summer, New York Times writer Elizabeth Williamson repeatedly asked Interior Secretary Deb Haaland to sit for a profile interview. After Holland's office refused, Williamson pleaded and seemed to assure positive coverage. But don't worry, the media is not just funneling state propaganda to its audience. And you know they're not doing it because they have policies in place to assure that such things won't happen. There was more big news in the world of leaked documents this weekend as the Russian Ministry of Defense has said it has evidence of U.S.-funded bioweapons research labs in Ukraine. And of course, this is a conspiracy theory, according to the same media who takes money to sell people a deadly and dangerous experimental gene therapy. So this is Kyle Becker. The Russian media outlet RIA Novosti released documents that the Ministry of Defense points to as evidence that Ukraine was undertaking research in U.S. funded biolabs that has the capability to be used for bioweapons. And remember, dual use, right? Dual use research of concern. They're saying it's for medical advancement, scientific advancement, but also, it just so happens to function as a bioweapons program, too. That's how they get away with it. Major General Igor Konashenkov, an official representative of the Russian Ministry of Defense, provided the information to journalists. Moscow said the documents, allegedly originating from employees of Ukrainian biological laboratories, confirmed that, quote, Components of biological weapons were being developed in Ukraine in close proximity to Russian territory, as reported by RIA Novosti. In the course of a special military operation, the facts of an emergency cleansing by the Kiev regime of traces of a military biological program being implemented in Ukraine, funded by the U.S. Department of Defense, were uncovered, Konashenkov said. 
We have received documentation from employees of Ukrainian biological laboratories on the emergency destruction of especially dangerous pathogens on February 24th. The causative agents of plague, anthrax, tularemia, cholera, and other deadly diseases, Konashenkov claimed. The documents with an exclusive translation via Becker News follows below, and he shows the documents. So if you'd like to see them yourself, go right ahead. The Ukrainian Minister of Health Security, in connection with the introduction of martial law in Ukraine on February 24th, 2022, according to the Ukrainian presidential order on that date, requests to ensure the emergency destruction of biological pathogens used to ensure the quality management system of laboratories in the attached order. And that's directly from the document. And let's check in once again with the Twitter banned conspiracy theorist war clandestine, who is now under other names and apparently still on Twitter. Very bold. But he goes into the details of this story about how the Russians have evidence that Ukraine and Ukrainian associated interests, like the United States, for example, intentionally began destroying evidence of what was happening in those labs on February 24th. He writes, Ambassador Lavrov, speaking on U.S. biolabs in Ukraine, specifically two of them, in Kiev and Odessa, they have intelligence to suggest the Pentagon created biological war labs along Russian borders and the CIA, quote, are on the ground training the Ukrainian army. And again, there has been reporting on this, even from mainstream sites, for a pretty long time. The CIA in Ukraine training, among others, the Nazi battalions. Isn't that so great? The CIA doing all of that. And the Pentagon, the U.S. Department of Defense, cleaning up evidence of biological weapons programs in Ukraine. Russian Ministry of Foreign Affairs spoke on the release of documents today, speaking specifically to the Kiev regime response of, quote, eradicating traces of military biological program financed by the U.S. DOD. With all that being said, you are welcome to not believe the Russian government. However, that means you trust the U.S. government who used the media and fact checkers to claim these labs didn't exist in the first place. They claimed it was a conspiracy theory. And again, he's right. Okay. The reason people aren't believing that these bio labs are there is not because they have proof of whether or not the bio labs are there. Of course, there's proof that the bio labs are there. They're trying to say, oh, they're not for biological weapons. They're just for disease research. And because they're only for disease research, Russia destroying them is not actually protecting anything. That's an act of war if it's happening. And it's a conspiracy theory that it's happening. Surely Russia would not be targeting something that could actually be construed as a problem because Russia are very, very, very bad. And Ukraine are very, very, very good. And you can tell that they're very, very, very good because they have a heroic comedic actor leading them or perhaps not leading them because perhaps he's fled to Poland. So to disbelieve the Russia story that is based on provable facts, and maybe not all of them, right? You don't have to fully believe the Russian story. But to believe the U.S. government and the media when they've already been caught lying about this subject multiple times is crazy. 
back to the thread. Now they admit the labs exist, but claim the Russians are pushing disinformation about bioweapon production. Right after the whole COVID-19 thing leaked from a U.S. DOD funded lab. So forgive me if I have a hard time blindly trusting the U.S. government. Now, what does this mean? It means the U.S. knew the Russians were going after these labs, tried to cover up that the labs existed, tried to scrub proof of U.S. involvement, and then got caught. And now a nuclear superpower has proof we were creating bioweapons at their border. It also proves the deranged fact-checking and censorship campaign targeted at himself, clandestine, and anyone who spoke about these labs. It was well-coordinated in an attempt to keep this information suppressed. It also proves that pro-Ukrainian war propaganda, ghost of Kiev stories, were designed to get you to hate Russia, to deter you from the news coming down the pipeline. Also, it's why they banned Russian news outlets from being shown in the West, because, of course, those Russian news outlets are reporting on these documents. Now, we're told that these documents were recovered during this mission or were handed over from a Ukrainian involved with these labs. Both of those are totally possible. Okay. But I want to talk about another thing just because it's beginning to seem really, really relevant. So we had reports that Joe Biden had taken U.S. intelligence and handed it over to the Chinese. Now, when you think of U.S. intelligence in this situation, assuming that the U.S. has access to other intelligence organizations around the world, which is a very, very safe assumption, okay? We're part of the Five Eyes Intelligence Network. So that's the US, the UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. And of course, you have the CIA and other law enforcement agencies. And then we are continuously told that the US is working with its allies and partners. And by that, they certainly at least mean the EU and NATO. Okay, so we're talking about some version of the cumulative intelligence of most of the Western world's intel agencies. How complete was it? How much was there? We don't know. But Joe Biden and the fake administration took that to the Chinese Communist Party, thinking that they would get the Chinese Communist Party's help. And instead, the Chinese Communist Party or she or whoever handed that intelligence over to Putin. Apparently, Joe Biden and the rest of the fake administration must think that because they are compromised by the CCP, somehow that also means the CCP is compromised by them and has to do their bidding. And I think that they're finding out that's just not true. But how much intelligence was in there? You got to think on some level, they were showing the Chinese, hey, this is what it seems like Russia's going to go after. Your interests are involved here, too. Maybe you should come help us. And they said no. But taking that one step further, if Putin now has all of that intelligence, then Putin has some idea of what the U.S. and the U.S.'s allies actually know. And if he knows what they all already know, then he probably has a pretty good understanding of why they're putting up so little resistance to everything he does. Again, all of it, all of it is just threat after threat after threat after threat. Almost nothing real. They're even putting up stories about how they're going to send planes in from here or there. They're going to send weapons from here or there. 
and they never arrive. They never actually happen. Some of the countries jump off. They say, we don't want to be involved with this. And the big media stories about the world's pushback against Vladimir Putin, nothing comes of them. In fact, last week we were told that Ukraine was applying for membership in the EU. And it turns out that today Germany and the Netherlands have decided that they are opposing granting Ukraine membership in the EU. So that's not going to happen. Another threat just disappearing into the ether. It's totally possible that Putin knows everything the West plans to do because Joe Biden and the fake administration, obviously Joe Biden himself didn't do anything. It was probably Obama or Rice or one of the underlings like Antony Blinken or Jake Sullivan. They take this intelligence to the CCP and the CCP laughs and gives it to Putin. That is as weak as a country could possibly be. This administration, this fake illegitimate administration is not respected anywhere in the world. This is an absolute disgrace. And yet they're still saber rattling. Lindsey Graham thinks Vladimir Putin should be assassinated. All of the Republicans, nearly all of them, are joining with the Democrats saying they stand with Ukraine. And I think it's probably about time people start asking their representatives, hey, why are you standing with the nation that's standing with Nazis? Why are you standing with the nation that has active Nazi regiments in their military? And why are you standing with the nation who has active Nazi regiments in the military while there are reports of those active Nazi regiments in the military you're standing with attacking the Ukrainian people and trying to kill everyone in the independent regions? What is it about your relationship with the global communists, with Ukrainian corruption, and perhaps just with Nazism? That convinces you that standing with Ukraine is a good idea. You're not trying to help the Ukrainian people. You're trying to come up with new ways to threaten Vladimir Putin. And it's not working. Like you're standing up for a terrible cause and you're embarrassing yourself and your country while doing it. Marco Rubio tweeted this out yesterday. If, God forbid, there are any chemical or biological weapons used or any nuclear incidents in Ukraine, have zero doubt who is behind it. And that's like when Bill Gates talks about a smallpox epidemic. Anthony Fauci, just the other day, there was an article up where he said he fears a major tuberculosis outbreak as a result of the conflict in Ukraine. Oh, really? How did you come to such a specific concern? We actually have the global communists telling us what they intend to do and then telling us, understand when you see this, it's definitely to be blamed on Russia. It's Russia's fault. It's no one else's fault. It's Russia's fault. And so if we have to say, let a biological agent go, or if there's a nuclear problem that for sure Russia caused, I mean, yeah, we tried it at the plant last week, but that didn't work. Doesn't mean nuclear is off the table. But if anything bad happens, just remember, it's Russia and it's not the uniparty communists and it's not the media and it's not the global communists. All the people who create all the bad things in the world and lie to you about them. 
It's not them. It's Putin. Now let's talk about something else the media loves to lie about. And that, of course, is election fraud. This is from The Federalist Today by Shad White. Mississippi audit. Hundreds of thousands of Mark Zuckerberg's election funds were stolen and misused. Three people were arrested in Mississippi in the last two weeks in another chapter in the story of the harm done to our elections by so-called Zuckerbucks. And he calls them Zuckbucks. Nobody calls them that. This time with alleged embezzlement and fraudulent spending. Facebook chief executive officer Mark Zuckerberg poured millions into a nonprofit called the Center for Tech and Civic Life in 2020. That nonprofit then gave more than $350 million in private funds to election offices around the country. CTCL said its goal was to provide funding for the, quote, safe administration of elections during the COVID-19 pandemic. Several months ago, the Mississippi Office of the State Auditor started investigating allegations of fraud at the Hines County Elections Commission, an office that received $1.9 million in CTCL grants. Agents eventually discovered that elections commissioners purchased two 85-inch Samsung televisions that never made it into the commission's building. The TVs were allegedly bought to allow election workers to socially distance and still watch the 2020 results. But instead, the TVs went to the homes of private individuals, including one commissioner. Thousands of dollars worth of personal protective equipment also walked away. That, too, was found at a private residence. Fake invoices, one by a local movie production company and the other by a hairdresser's LLC, were submitted for sanitizing buildings, COVID testing and voting machine audits. The work described in the invoices was never done, but the people submitting the invoices were paid. The total loss due to fraud in this case will tumble into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Also, to no one's surprise, evidence shows that the culprits submitted false paperwork to CTCL describing how they were spending Zuckerberg's money. And it is very likely that we are going to hear stories like this all around the country. Okay, that money, this article says it's three hundred and fifty million dollars. Trump a couple weeks ago said four hundred and seventeen million dollars. They used to say pretty consistently four hundred and fifty million. And then he poured another fifty million into the runoff in Georgia. So there's somewhere between three hundred and fifty million and five hundred million dollars that Mark Zuckerberg took and put into CTCL and then distributed to localities all around the country to help Joe Biden win the election. They said that it was for COVID safety so that the elections could be run safely during COVID. Now, it turns out that there was no safety issue with elections during COVID, not that they didn't pretend that there was, but even Anthony Fauci said it was not a big deal to go vote in person. Virtually none of the money anywhere was actually used for COVID stuff. And again, Michael Gableman went pretty deep into this in his report last week. And the Thomas More Society, Philip Klein and others are going pretty deep into the CTCL stuff and finding out where all that money went. This was a payoff to achieve results. And remember, Zuckerberg had a clawback provision in the contracts when they were giving this money out. So that if the results weren't achieved, he could actually just take the money back. And we will eventually find out that all of the corrupt actors who took this money and influenced the elections probably kept a big chunk of it for themselves. Which also explains why none of them are coming forward 
to talk about such obvious election crimes and the fact that the 2020 election was stolen and they helped do it. We talked about how the Texas primary was last week and the great Seth Keschel has been doing some work on this since then. And it turns out that there is massive fraud in Texas elections, which should surprise absolutely no one. And this should put to rest the ridiculous claim that people only care about this because of Donald Trump and wanting to get Donald Trump back into office. It is not just the presidential election that was stolen. The fraud system exists. It is used constantly everywhere. And sometimes it benefits corrupt rhino Republicans, Romneys, Republican communists. And there's a perfect example in Texas in the race in which Bianca Gracia was running Texas Senate District 11. Now, Bianca Gracia is an activist who has been running for Senate, and she is trying to get the Latino vote to flip red. She's down near the Texas border. Immigration is a massive problem there. And the Hispanic community in Texas is turning away from the Democrat Party for the same reason everyone is turning away from the Democrat Party. They are liars and communists and don't care about people at all. Bianca Gracia is on the war room a lot. She has pretty major name recognition and people know that she's a well-intentioned person who is working hard to actually fix things for the people in her community. So you'd think that she would have a pretty good result in her election. So I'm going to share a couple of Seth Keschel posts on this. He put these up on Telegram over the weekend. Want to know why Texas rhinos won't touch a fraud ridden election system that damn near put the state in the Biden column? Behold, Texas Senate District 11. Photo one, Bianca Gracia, Latinos for Trump. That's her organization leads the establishment choice Middleton by 1,200 votes going into the election day count. So they had provided the numbers from the early vote. Photo two, Middleton leapfrogs Gracia with 93% counted with a statistically impossible 34,000 to 4,000 vote accumulation run since election day counting began. Okay, and that is a and those were numbers that were updated as the election was ongoing. Photo three, Bianca Gracia unexpectedly sheds 7,300 votes with 100% counted, finishing a distant last with Rhino Middleton at 63% and in no danger of a runoff. Populist uprising crushed. Want to play ball like a lefty? Why is a Hispanic female Trump activist being disenfranchised along with her voters? This is garbage and the corrupt Texas GOP knows it as well. I'm hearing similar claims from other candidates who were squashed. And that, my friends, is what I have been warning everyone about constantly for well over a year now. Getting a red wave does not mean anything. If much of that red wave is a bunch of establishment rhinos who cheated their way into their positions. And it matters in the primaries because there is election fraud in the primaries too. This has nothing to do with 
federal elections or the presidential election. This has to do with the corrupt establishment stealing elections across the country at every single level. Now you have a perfect example of that happening. So what do voters do this fall when they know their choices are between a corrupt establishment Democrat or even worse, a corrupt super progressive Democrat and a corrupt rhino? Well, you see, the establishment and the media, they don't care because they don't care about informing people. They care about achieving their goals and their goal is no MAGA. So they make sure to get rid of the MAGA candidate in the primary through election fraud, and then they'll do whatever they have to do in the fall to make the narrative they tell seem plausible. So you can have the big red wave and they'll be like, oh, well, the Republicans flipped a Texas Senate District 11 as people turned away from the Democrats. And everybody on our side who's not paying attention claps along and they're like, red wave, red wave. But that's not a red wave. That's just re-embedding the problem in the system and hiding it a little better now. You can't complain the Republican won. If there was actually fraud, a Democrat would have won. That's what they would do. They would just take all the Democrat races. No, that's not what they would do. They don't care about R&D. They care about whether or not you are committed to the global communist party. You are part of the establishment, part of the uniparty, part of the system whose only concern is keeping itself in place and keeping the power in the hands of the system, not the people. And you can see how this is happening right now in front of your eyes in real time. They're cheating in primary elections to keep MAGA out. And Kessel goes on in another post. It appears to me, based on the reports of many primary candidates in Texas who not only lost, but were utterly curb stomped by 70 points in an anti-establishment year from hell, that we may have our reason for no election action in Texas after the disaster that was 2020, because two parties feed at this foul trough. The Texas Senate District 11 race is rotten to the core, and it is just the start. If this is evidence of manipulation, then it is designed to fend off populist uprisings, prop up controlled rhinos, and also crush the populist candidates in humiliating fashion to create the narrative of your platform is repulsive, a direct strike at America first. When conservatives were rooting on Bush in 2006, your conspiracy theorist friends saying both parties are the same were right. And, you know, people have a lot of big ideas about what's going to happen in November. There's going to be a huge red wave. Republicans will retake the House, maybe retake the Senate. Maybe they'll make Donald Trump the Speaker of the House, and then they can impeach Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Well, that is a pretty bad plan, okay? And here's why. First of all, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are not legitimately in office. The solution to that is not to assume their legitimacy and then impeach them. The solution to that is to prove their illegitimacy and remove them from office for cause because they are only sitting there by fraud. That is the right way to go about it. That is justice. Anything else, impeachment, all of it is not justice. Would it be hilarious for Trump to be Speaker of the House and impeach both of them and then have the Senate convict them and then Trump be made president? Yes, that would be hilarious. But do you really think this Republican Senate 
is going to impeach them? I don't. I don't trust them at all. In fact, even with a red wave, I wouldn't trust the Republican House either because we can see what they're doing at the primary level. And you have to assume that when these establishment candidates get into national office in the fall, they're going to be exactly the same. Yeah, they're going to pretend to be MAGA because they want your votes and they want the illusion that MAGA supports these people. They probably did the same with the George Prescott Bush attorney general primary last week. Now he's in a runoff against Ken Paxton. Ken Paxton is about to be accused of all sorts of stuff so that they can get George P. Bush to be Texas attorney general. And then none of these crimes ever get prosecuted. By the way, let's just think about the Bush family for one moment. Go ahead and research who Prescott Bush is in relation to Nazis in World War II and then ask yourself, hey, why is this very prominent American family still passing down the names of people who helped out the Nazis? Isn't that strange? But going back to these elections, this is why it's not good enough to say we'll all just vote in the fall. And we'll all just vote in 2024. That is not how these problems get fixed. That is depending on the fraudulent system to create a proper result. That cannot happen. Okay. They get the results they want. Period. They didn't just get the establishment candidate Middleton in a runoff with Gracia. They inflated Middleton's totals to make it look like the establishment candidate blew out the MAGA candidate. And they ended up with Gracia's total being lower than the total she already achieved just from early voting. That's not making sure their candidate won. That is them creating the exact result they want so that they can push the narrative they want which is exactly what happened in the gubernatorial race in Virginia. You got to understand that. I said it at the time. This is how they trick everybody into thinking that the system is somehow better because they've made this little adjustment or this little adjustment or this little adjustment. None of the adjustments made in any of the states around the country who have worked on election fraud issues and election integrity issues to this point, with the exception of maybe some of the stuff going on in Arizona, but that you should doubt as well. But none of those things have fixed election fraud at all. They have just convinced people that the elections might be slightly more valid while they still shovel uniparty communists on the Republican side, right back into office so that they can take control of everything. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's just exactly what they do. And they show you over and over and over and over and over again. So yes, everyone should go out and vote in their elections. Okay. But to pretend that your vote counts and your vote matters in an election where they make up the results is insane. The way to make sure your vote counts is to fix 2020 and to put pressure on your representatives to do the same. If they are not interested in that, you should assume that they are benefiting from the fraud. And it doesn't matter. It does not matter if it's someone that Trump has happened to endorse. That is not 
a good enough reason for you to turn off your attention to the problem of election fraud. Okay. Trump endorsed Greg Abbott. Greg Abbott is the governor of Texas. Greg Abbott has not done a single thing to prevent election fraud in Texas. Now, if there's some larger plan and they needed to see this kind of election fraud happen to prove it to more people, well, fine. I'm open to all the possibilities. Okay. But what I can see, what I can know is whether or not action has been taken. And so far, no action has been taken. So what are we supposed to expect? Do you really expect them not to use this system all across the country to make sure that America first candidates are not in the race in the fall? In the fall, you will get to choose between D and R and that's it. They're both in the uniparty. Neither of them care about election fraud and neither of them care about serving the people. You're going to get D. You're going to get R. You'll go in there and press R because you think it's helping. It's not helping if that candidate is part of the uniparty. I don't know what the argument is about this. Okay. People are very, very mad at Linwood because they think that he said not to vote. He is saying what I am saying. Okay. Maybe he goes further with it. Maybe he gets in arguments with people. Maybe he tries to make you doubt people who you believe are your friends. I got nothing to do with that. All right. I speak my opinion and that's it. But if you want to be sure that the uniparty is never taken out of office, there are few things more effective you could do than go in and vote for people because it says R next to their name. You are giving your tacit approval to a fraudulent system. And you will reap the results of that fraudulent system. And if you then pretend that somehow we had this massive win, well, just wait till they all get in office and see what happens. They will solve no problems because they're the ones who created the problems in the first place. It is all the same establishment. It is all the same uniparty. Do not continue to be fooled by these people. They will steal every election they can steal for as long as they can do it. And They will be able to do it for as long as everyone allows them to. While we all pretend, oh, well, you know, you can't prove election fraud. So if I talk about it, people are going to think I'm crazy. And I don't want these dummies thinking I'm crazy. Nothing hurts my feelings worse than that. Stand up, grow a spine, and speak out for your country. The election in 2020 was stolen. The Georgia runoff was stolen. These Texas primaries were stolen. There is no amount of turnout and goodwill that can change that until election fraud is solved. I'm sorry. Okay. I want everybody to go out and vote. Of course, of course, but I want them to go out and vote in legitimate elections so that we don't have the problem of patting ourselves on the back afterwards saying, look what we just accomplished in Virginia. Really? What did we accomplish? A guy who was going into office and going to get rid of masks on children that is a bare minimum standard no governor should have allowed masks to be put on children in the first place this is insanity we are getting nothing and we are liking it because it's better than what the other side will give us oh he's in there getting rid of critical race theory well no one should have allowed it glenn youngkin and every other republican around the nation if they are not corrupt should be talking about election fraud at all times. It is proven beyond a shadow of a doubt everywhere. 
Okay. The information is out there. If you don't believe it, if you don't think there's evidence, there's one possibility and one possibility only. You have not looked because election fraud is not a matter of belief. It exists. You can deny its existence, but then it is only a matter of ignorance or complicity. So decide which one of those two things your politicians are representing and then ask them to do the right thing. The right thing is decertify 2020 and absolutely nothing else. Okay, nothing else. Voter ID by itself does not fix it. Ending ballot harvesting by itself does not fix it. We're still arguing about Mark Zuckerberg drop boxes. Those are a new thing that were that was only for covid. And now we have to argue that they're not necessary anymore and should be taken away. They were never put into practice by law in the first place. We are actually losing ground in all of this every time we pat ourselves on the back for some step that doesn't provide any solution to the problem. That's just a way to pacify everybody. The solution is verifiable, numbered paper ballots, one day of voting with very rare exceptions and absolutely no voting machines. Anything short of that allows for fraud. The reason the system is complicated is to create opportunities for fraud. There's no other reason to complicate a situation like voting. It's just counting. It's adding one to one to one over and over and over again. Oh, one plus one. Okay. Here's another one plus one. Here's another one plus one. That's not complicated. And instead, we have books and books of laws and rules and regulations about exactly how the machine should be used. And then they're not used that way. And no one enforces the rules anyway. What a joke. This election system is a joke. And it doesn't become better just because someone with an R next to their name wins, wins in quotes, against someone with a D next to their name. The system exists to create opportunities for corruption and cheating and absolutely nothing else. It does not make the elections more secure. It does not make them more efficient. And if you can't do those two things, well, why the hell do you need computers? And of course, it's the same excuses always that we get from the media that we get from everywhere else. We have a policy against that. Therefore, it doesn't happen. You wouldn't want to challenge our integrity, would you? I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. 
If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!